What's up, everybody? Welcome to The Good Wolf Project. This is your host, Jerry Scarlato, and today's conversation is with Derek Johnson. Derek is a U.S. Army veteran, a life coach and personal trainer, and has been in the health and fitness industry since he was 15 years old. Derek's now 34, so that gives you an idea of how long he's been working with people and helping them become the best versions of themselves. We talk about the dichotomy that Derek grew up in in his household, his parents showing and being a certain way during the day and being a completely different way in the evening and at night. We talk about him overcoming and splitting the generational habit of becoming an addict and him deciding that that was not going to be him moving forward. And we also talking about flicking the demon off of your shoulder. This is a great conversation. Make sure you enjoy it and you like and subscribe at the end. Enjoy this conversation with Derek Johnson. Derek, how you doing today, brother? Doing great, doing great. Thanks for having me, man. You got it, man. Sounds like you've been uh, you've been busy. Got a couple podcasts on your belt already today, and I saw you were in the gym nice and early, also. So you oh, yeah. uh, you get up and get going. I think that that's probably partly learned from being in the military. Which, by the way, thank you for your service. Greatly appreciate that. Thank you, thank you. You got it, brother. Um, so is that something that you learned that you learned growing up? that was like instilled in you early or was that something that that you know once you caught on in the military get up and get going is that something that just kind of stuck with you so definitely growing up i would see my parents up at four and five exercising my mother would do the at-home workouts or be in the swimming pool my dad he was army so he would wake up hit the gym go run the neighborhood or go ahead to formation so it was just natural to see them up seven days a week early so just up and at it exercising and then they, they would start their day they would have breakfast and then start working so it was just always as i saw so i don't have kids but as you know kids do as they see not as they're told so that's 100%. what i saw so that's what i did <laughs> uh yeah dude that's super unusual because most people see i think people just don't again i don't have kids either so i try to i try to like say I try to say like, take, take what I'm going to say about kids with a grain of salt. Right. But at yeah. the same time, human behavior is human behavior. And if parents would just recognize that the kid is literally just watching you and doing what you're doing, if the parent would just change some of their behaviors, they may not be having the same issues that their kids having, or their exactly. kid may not be having like the issues that they're having, but it's super unusual to hear something like that because you know, I guess growing up in a military family, it's not as unusual, but both your parents were that way, which is, which I would say you probably had a good foundation, um, being oh, yeah. that way. Exactly. So the work ethic was instilled and both of my parents grew up very poor and they became successful. So my father, he's a African-American, he's from Mississippi. He was in the army, got into real estate afterwards, had a lot of businesses and companies. And my mother, she's been a kindergarten teacher for like 45 plus years. Wow. So her final 15 years with, with, was with Montessori, which is a private school. I didn't personally go to Montessori, but the way that they teach and she was just amazing with kids. She just had that gift. And my dad's gift was leadership, but they both grew up as the oldest of their siblings. So they had to be the mom, the father, the uncle, the guardian, the mentor to all their brothers, sisters and cousins. And they grew up in a tiny home, sleeping head to toe in beds like that. So my mother's German. She was living in the city. My dad's from Mississippi. He grew up on a farm. And so they just saw some crazy stuff in regards to their 
their their real fathers weren't really in their life because drug drugs and alcohol ran on both sides of the family so addictions were very common and so they had a lot of violence and personal things going on so when i turned around 11 that's when i noticed that there was a shift as in they would start to drink more at night it never affected their day never affected the morning workout never affected their career business their leadership they were always first ones there the only time they would miss is if they were in the hospital for like an infection that's it like they would never miss work for anything but when i turned around 11 i noticed that they started to drink more at night so between the hours of 9 p.m to 1 a.m and i knew that it was just masking releasing it had nothing to do with me the first year is a culture shock because you're like all right why stuff being broken i'm cleaning up glass i'm getting my ass whooped and just just wild stuff but people that grew up around addicts or alcoholics they could relate to that but i'm glad that it happened early because at the age of 12 i realized that they were not looking at me they were looking through me so essentially they would see whoever did something to them or around them they would start to see that person like within me but they would be looking through my eyes mm. and that's what opened up the door into faith and personal development because I knew that it was something spiritual. It was not, I wasn't the problem. They weren't the problem. There's just something else going on. So before I was 15, I was already getting into Tony Robbins, Les Brown, psychology. And because I was like, I, I got to find a way wow. out. So fitness was my outlet, outlet. of that home life. Yeah. 12 years old, you started to recognize that in your parents you started to recognize that they didn't see you they weren't looking at you as the problem necessarily they were looking they were viewing everyone else externally and looking at you and viewing it through you how do you yeah. at 12 years old like i know you know that was whatever i'm assuming you're what yeah late I'm, 20s, I'm 34 30s? yeah i'm yeah. 34 yeah so 22 years ago obviously you can't totally reflect and go yeah that well this is exactly what happened but at 12 years old like what gauges you what gets you to start to even think that hey they're not looking at me and taking it out on me because of me they're taking it out on me because of what's going on in their life do you have any so, recollection yeah so the main shift was i was in my dad's truck i was in the back seat my dad was always listening to personal development stuff, reading the book. So I was surrounded by this information. And so he's playing the cassette tapes. And you're probably old enough to remember cassette tapes, but I'm in his truck, I'm in the back seat, and I'm just zoned out looking out the window. I think we're just running errands, going to the store. And he's listening to Tony Robbins cassette tape. And I'm just looking out and like thinking about whatever. And out of nowhere, all I hear is if my mother gave me the love as I wanted as a child, I wouldn't be the man I am today. Like I was zoned out. And that's the quote that I heard. And I was like, huh? And then he said it again, if my mother gave me the love I wanted as a child, I wouldn't be the man I am today. And I got chills in the back seat, and I was like, somebody is saying something, speaking to me. And I was like, okay. And then I started listening more. And then I was like, wait a minute, that's the same guy, Robbins, Robbins, because I didn't know his first name at the time. And I went to my dad's, we had like a library in his office, and I saw all these books. He had like 15 of his books and all the stuff, all the tapes. And I said, okay, let me pick up one of these things. So I started reading and a lot connected to it. So his relationship with his mother was like parallel to my relationship with my mother. And I was like, holy shit, there's somebody that's doing this thing. And so Tony Robbins was definitely my step one outside of fitness because I was that very quiet kid growing up. I grew up in Germany as a child. And so before we moved to the States, when Europeans moved to America, we actually watch high school American movies. And we wonder, is it really like that cheerleader? jock bully 
And we're just like, is it really like that? Or is this just like sitcom movies stuff? And we moved to the States. And 100% it was. I was getting sure thrown enough. into the locker room. I was getting stuff into the toilet. I was just like, all right, this is real stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so I was getting bullied at school. The stuff was happening at home. So I honestly just got sick and tired of just being that insecure, scared little boy. I had a very bad stuttering issue. I never raised my hand in class. I just really didn't know who I was. And I said, enough is enough because the anger that I had, I knew it was going to turn into violence. And I was like, I'm, I'm not allowing myself to do that. And I'm not going to pick up a bottle, drugs or anything else. So I got obsessed, like literally obsessed 24 seven. I would just absorb information about comeback stories. Like I grew up listening to Eminem, Lincoln Park, Marilyn Manson, mm -hmm. just any and everything, but I could relate so much. Yeah, exactly. And my friends were like, why do you listen to such dark music? And I was like, ah, oh, no, it just motivates me for my workout. I, dude, I get it, man. Yeah, I totally so get it. I never told anybody what was happening at home because my parents were very popular. People knew them in different countries. And I was like, I'm not bashing their reputation because I had friends that didn't have their parents that grew up in and out of foster care that had way worse physical, psychological things happen to them. And I was like, I cannot complain. So let me flip this. So... Tony Robbins, Faith, and then also my workouts helped the most. And I noticed that after the workouts, I was more open to having faith in something. Because when you're in it, everybody's been there. Why me, God? Why is this happening? Do you exist? Do you not exist? Why would you allow somebody to do that to my mom? Like, I was I was questioning a lot of things. And we were going to church, but I never really felt anything because I could see. I grew up in Pensacola, Florida. So once we moved to the States, so in the South, as you know, churches are everywhere and 90% of them is just like fluff talk and wolf in sheep's clothing. And we would hop from church to church and I'm just a kid, but I'm feeling this energy. And then the older I got, I realized that my gift from the trauma was discernment. So being able to read a person or a group, meet them where they're at and slowly build them up or from a spiritual discernment, feeling when somebody actually has like a dark entity, demonic possession, or just like bad and ill intentions things like that because growing up around alcoholics and drugs and all that if somebody can relate you could literally see that individual's eye colors start to change when they're on that stuff and like mm -hmm. full of rage so that's what i would see in my parents when they're like yelling in my face their eye colors were literally changing i was like that's not my that's not my mom that's not my dad and so because that stuff is happening i dove deep into spirituality and everything because i was like i got to figure out what's happening so yeah, so it was a lot happening at once, but it helped me a ton because I knew that I would choose their path or similar paths because addiction ran on both sides. So my addiction was fitness, mm. pushing my mind, my body past extremes, and then helping others. Well, here's the irony is that it sounds like there was a dichotomy in your house of behaviors. On one end, oh yeah, they, they lived a fit life. They took care of themselves. They prioritized their health in the morning. They listened to Tony Robbins. They lived that life. Outwardly, it looked like they were very successful. And then that nighttime, the demon, if you will, came in and took them over. So you were able to see both sides of it. And you're able to see on one side what you can do with your life whenever you take, whenever you take control of your life, whenever you do oh, the yeah. things that are necessary to build yourself up. You saw that, but you were also able to take the other side and go, I know that this runs in my family. I know that this is part of a generational problem. And unless someone decides to break that tie, it's going to continue to move forward. And it sounds like you're the one that 
you decided that you're going to break that tie because at some point, like generational things are real, but they're learned behaviors like we're talking about. And at yeah. some point, a generation, someone has to decide to break that tie to not let that thing keep tearing that family down, no matter what the outward thing looks like. So oh, it's yeah. pretty amazing that you were able to see these dichotomies, this complete dichotomy in your house and still be able to come out on the other side and go, I can take my life and I can do what I want with it. Yeah, 100%. You hit the nail on the head. And I feel like the other gift was also perspective hopping. And I think back then as a child, it was a defense mechanism. So whatever the trauma was, many people can relate. Some people like they'll tap out of it and their body or mind is numb. Some will cope with vices and others, they'll almost look at themselves as an outer body experience. How would God see me? How would my better version see me? I used to pretend I had a twin when I was going through this stuff and my twin would give me advice. I don't know if it was God through whoever I created in my mind, but it just like happened. I didn't think of it. Somebody was just talking to me because in our home, we never said, I love you. And there was no real support. It was like, get up, work hard, good grades, study, take care of people, do all the stuff, which is all true. But we never really communicated. It was like, all right, suck it up. I see your stress. Go fucking go do something. Go help somebody. And it's like, that's that's what they did as well. It's like anytime something would come up, they would go do it. And then at night, after the cookout, yeah. after the get together, after the dinner, the drinking, once the crowd left, because we had a nice home, screened in pool, all this stuff, it looked great, but nobody knew that it was complete hell at night. And so that's what drove me to getting deep into the mind, into the body, because I knew that this was like a battleground. And I would just always play this story in my head because I was just consuming content of comeback stories. And I said, hey, mine is like at a level 20. I'm reading stuff that's at a level 200. So it's not that bad, even though it was, it was pretty bad, but I never complained. So I would just always see that perspective. And on the flip side, I was not just other people's stories. I also learned my family tree. So I was the quiet kid that would just observe but at my grandma's house in Mississippi, at my oma's in Germany, I would just go through these family books and I would see pictures and I can just sense the energy in that picture. And I was like, oh, that's my grandpa. And you could just see that everybody was uncomfortable when he was in the picture. And my cousins were like, what are you talking about? And I would point to the picture, but nobody would really see it. I was like, what do you mean you don't see that? You don't feel that energy? He's like, dude, that's just grandpa and, the, and your mom and dad and whoever. I was like, no, <laughs> there's something in that picture. And the older I got, I realized that I like, I felt the positive empowering energy and the dark energy. And I realized the dark came from the men in the family. So like my old mom, my grandma on my mom's side didn't smoke, didn't drink. Same thing on my father's side, that grandma, she didn't smoke or drink. It was always the men that caused the physical, emotional, sexual abuse and all that. And it just stemmed down. And so once I had clarity in that, I said, you know what? I have to change things. So I consider myself the black sheep, but I didn't want to make anybody feel the way that they felt. And so I just realized that everything that was happening to them, they would release. But then another quote at that time period, I think I was like 14 or 15 is I was in a church and I didn't connect with this guy at all, but he said, God will give its toughest battles to his toughest people. I'm paraphrasing that, but we've all heard it to an extent. And I would think about that and say, huh, I'm the youngest. I have two older sisters. They wouldn't release on them. They released on me because I think deep down they knew I could handle it, even though they didn't like want to do that. But I was like that verbal, physical punching bag. Yeah. But I always saw it as like a playground preparing me for life. So to fast forward to the military and basic training, 
when the drill sergeants were yelling in my face, I tried as hard as I could not to laugh because I'm used to that all of my life. And I'm like, my five foot four German mom would rip your guys' heads off. And so these guys and women are in my face. I'm just like, oh, this is a walk in the park. And then I would see other guys who you thought were tough or females were tough because they had that persona and they were like crying about to pee on themselves because they weren't used to that. And I was like, that was all the battleground that trained me for it. And then I got really good at being able to help those teenagers or even like if it was in sports. And I realized that that was what was my calling is helping build people up. And then I noticed that I was always calm in stressful situations but it's mainly because of the household was always like, ah, oh, yelling, screaming. Right mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So that became the norm. So real life stress, I would just coast. And then people would just like gravitate towards me. And then I just wanted to give people what I didn't have. So I feel like a lot of people that have trauma, you're given a gift, yes. But you also give what you are lacking. So I was lacking the support and somebody to actually listen to me. So I'm usually always an active listener to people as, as that teen I would just be sitting there. Somebody would come up and just pour themselves out. And at first I was like, shit, that, that was a lot at once. <laughs> but then the older I got, I was like, you know what? There's something about me. I'm just calm and just present. Or I was half asleep because we barely slept back then. But either way, people would just come up to me and I just felt good about it. And I saw that they felt good that somebody was actually listening. Because most people, they just listen to respond. As you know, right. they're just scrolling. Right. Yeah, man, right. you know. <laughs> Oh, not Jerry, hearing. Jerry. No, no, no. I'm, yeah. I'm listening. They're not man. hearing what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. They, they don't care at all. Mm -hmm. So I just always wanted to give people what I was lacking in a positive way, not a manipulative way, because with the dichotomy going back to that is some people realize they have the gift and they use that in a negative way and they control and manipulate and go a dark path. And others, they just use that to empower people. So it was just interesting in hindsight, looking at everything from the household to bullying in school to be mixed, I'm half German, half African-American. So I dealt with a lot of racism and all that. Like I was getting beat up by my black friends on the basketball court because I was too soft or too light or talked too white. And I was like, what is going on? And then I was attracted to a particular woman and then her dad didn't like me because I'm half nigger. And I'm like, mm -hmm. what the, f can I just be myself? I'm like, holy right. And then I go home and it's like, oh, what the, f like 9 p.m. hits. And I'm just like, all right, I'm going to snap one day because yeah, there's all you go and feel like if you feel like you're just getting bombarded with. Yeah, exactly. Like, so it was, it was a constantly. lot. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. It's so it sounds like I'm going to guess you're a natural introvert, like naturally, like you, you, yeah. you do well on your own, like you, you refresh on your own. That's very much the way that I am. People are always surprised when I say I'm a natural introvert because I can make myself do you know, I can make myself look outwardly like like an extrovert. I can talk whenever I need to. I can get in front of a crowd and I can, you know, you know, wake them up and I can do all that. But I refresh myself in solitude whenever I'm alone. Yeah. And I think I want to say there's there's something to being a, being an introvert and being able to feel people's energy better. I, I yes. feel like extroverts are the ones that are just like, they're just so hard, hard at it. Like those type A's, they're like so hard, like just trying to go at it. They're not even able to pay enough attention to be able to feel someone else's energy because they're the one giving the energy. But as an introvert, you, you're able, if, if you cultivate this ability, you're able to sit there and like feel someone else's energy. And then you start to get that sense of being able to do that just from like watching from a distance or looking at a picture, because I can resonate with that totally. Like just being able to, 
walk in a room and look around and see who's dictating the energy of the room, right? Like, oh yeah. Whenever someone like my dad is totally this way, love my dad to death, but very quickly he will dictate the energy of the room if he walks in and he's not, you know, he's not driving that day. The energy is going to shift to how he is. He's naturally extroverted. He's very like high intense. And whenever he walks in, if it's not right, you can feel that energy just go like right to him. So yeah. I think I think as an introvert, like that's kind of what happens. But um, going back to, I want to go back to one of the stories that you put out yesterday, which I thought was pretty fantastic. You said in the story that you get what you tolerate. And this is kind of like, we're kind of talking about it a little bit right now, that you have made a lot of decisions in your life to not tolerate certain things. And you work yeah. with people who I'm sure over the course of your coaching career, you have you have worked with a ton of people who have tolerated mediocrity for a long time, especially oh, in the yes. health and fitness. You know, I've been in the health and fitness industry for 15 plus years. I owned a fitness studio for 10 of those years, worked with thousands of people. And I get like so many people just, they just accept, they tolerate oh, a yeah. low level of health and fitness. So what have you learned through your personal coaching that has helped you be able to get other people to tolerate less of that? I aim to give them clarity. So my whole intent of any conversation with the client is to make a light bulb go off. And sometimes it's just as a good leader, seeing that maybe they're not even a good headspace to absorb anything. So sometimes I have a topic to discuss and then we dive deep on that. Or sometimes they get on Zoom or they meet me in person. And within five seconds, I can just sense their energy. I'm like, there's no point in me teaching anything. And I'm like, hey, you know what? First 10 minutes, let's just brain dump. Just let it out. They either start talking. That might lead to yelling. Not yelling at, but they're just thinking of whatever. They might start crying. Up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And then we just release for X amount of minutes. And I say, hey, how do you feel? You feel reset? And they're like, yes. And then from there, we slowly start to work on things. But I would say definitely, number one, catching their energy where they're at. Are they open enough and present enough to absorb something new? Or do they need to just release? And sometimes they just need somebody to listen. Sometimes they'll go the whole hour session and just talk about whatever they need to talk about. And it's my job to, to see that. Because if I try to teach them, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, you know, and it's not going to be effective at all. Then I'm just like the selfish coach that's like, no, it's my way or the highway. It's a one size fit all. It's, a, it's not going to work. And so that's number one, checking their energy. Another thing that I notice is people don't really notice their patterns until I speak up about them. So I say, hey, did you notice? So I'll cut them off sometimes. Say, hey, uh, before we continue, did you notice that your whole body language shifted when you spoke about her or him? And they're like, and I say, yeah, when you got on, you were like this. Now you're like this. Or you started like getting really fidgety. All those little things, those little cues to start paying attention to. And they're like, huh. And everything is coming from a neutral standpoint just to give them some awareness. And they're like, man, that is true. Because when I do think about this or when I'm at work or when I'm at home, I'm sitting like this, the body language. So it's very interesting. And so one of the biggest issues that I've noticed nowadays is people struggle so much because they can't keep their focus on something. Their attention span, as you know, as humans, is lower than ever. We're scrolling notifications, mm. Amazon Prime. Just we can do everything. You can lay on your couch for two days straight and have people bring and you stuff and literally up. say, the door's unlocked. <laughs> like, bring it in and like literally not do anything. You're like, bring me a bucket. Like, it's literally in that state. But with that being said is people are so used to that that they 
they do have discipline and they do have patience, but they're so stuck on their past. And also they don't realize how quick their mind goes to something else. Like we got a joke and so I would say squirrel. It's like, that's how most people are. It's like but the squirrel. And they're like, Oh shit. And they're just yeah. looking around and that's how they are with their phone, with their thoughts, with their traumas. And so it's really hard to see, excuse me, it's really hard for a person to be fully in flow state working on that thing. And so when I notice that that person drifts from thing to thing, we bring back memories. But hey, man, you said you played baseball. What did you do before you walked up to the mound that got you into that zone? And they're like, man, so I used to put my hoodie on and they start painting that vision. Their body language gets up. They're confident. They get that game face. And I say, all right, what you used to do then, let's start doing that before your sales call, before the gym. Do it in your truck. Do that before you go into a social setting. They're like, do that, but I'm not playing. I'm like, just, just try it and see what happens. 100% of the time, they show up more confident because the subconscious doesn't know. Is it game time? Is it wrestling time? And it's just amazing to see. So number one is definitely just checking their energy. Two, guiding them with things that I've noticed with their, their patterns. And they start to connect the dots in the bigger picture. And then one of the last ones is being present with them to see what they have clarity in and just asking good questions. Because a lot of people aren't asked, and as you know, as a coach, they're not asked questions. They're just like, hey, how are you doing? How's the weather where you're at? Oh, how's the Monday? You know, they're just another day. Mm -hmm. It's fluff. Mm -hmm. So when you actually ask them, what would make you happy in the next two to three months? If you woke up and you're brushing your teeth, looking in the mirror, what progress would you want to see? And they're just like, <laughs> every time they make the face, there's like, I haven't even thought about that. And it's scary because you're like, what do you mean you haven't thought about that? Because you and I, we think of the best the best man that we can become inside and out. And we're always thinking of creation, but it's scary that a lot of society, they don't think about these things at all. They just have vague statements. I want to be successful, rich, and I want to change my family legacy. And I want passive income. Like they just say all these statements, but then there's there's nothing to grasp onto. It sounds mm -hmm. good, but besides that, they can't really go deeper. So it's just various things. But the number one thing I've noticed lately is the attention span is lower. And because the attention span is lower, all these projects are at 20 and 30%. When life happens, they feel like they're overwhelmed. I can't finish. Oh, well, I'm already stressed. Let me drink with the guys. Let me watch another football game. Let me do X, Y, Z. And they're just like running from all these unfinished projects. And they're just boiling. And they're, they just keep masking. And then we just really try to give them awareness with that. And they start catching it. And they say, you know what? That started about two years ago when X, Y, Z happened. So those are my favorite moments seeing them have the light bulb go off where i'm just guiding them i don't know everything but once they get the awareness we both learn together and we say okay this is what you need more of but that's definitely one of the most fulfilling things because you can just see it in their eyes or their body language and you're like yes it clicked even if we don't say it out loud to them mm -hmm. you just got to let them sit in it after a couple of days they're like hey i noticed this they send you a text and you knew they were going to text you but you had to let them figure it out alone and th those are some of the most fulfilling things most definitely. I think, you know, you, you hit on a really good point there about being distracted. There's a great book called Stolen Focus, which is, um, which I highly recommend. He talks about basically all of the things that go into making, uh, all the things that have basically built the social media platforms that we use today, things like yeah. infinite scroll, things like, um, you know, just the way that the app works and people don't even, you know, you don't take the time to even pay attention to that kind of thing when you're sitting there scrolling. Not that that's something you should necessarily be thinking about, but like 
if you recognize, <clears throat> excuse me, that the, the thing is built to keep your attention and the thing is built to distract you, then you can start to take control of it. And what people don't, people don't pay attention to is that they let their phones control them and control their lives instead of controlling their phone. You and I, we use our phones for certain things. Like we make a living through our phone to a, to a gigantic degree, but we use yeah. it. We don't let it use us, right? We've figured exactly. out that we can use it. We can also cultivate the feed of our, of our Instagram or of our Facebook or whatever, depending on what you watch, what you click on who you follow, like you can cultivate all that so that you can actually use that to better yourself, to improve yourself. And the other thing that people are missing, going back to your point of like how we're so distracted and our attention span has basically shrunk down to maybe even less than a squirrel's attention span. Yeah, exactly. We, the connection between how we use our phone and how that translates to our life, like the way that you use your phone is going to translate to the way that your life, you, you number one view life and you deal with life. If you're not able to keep your attention on something for longer than a 30 second period of time, it's not because you're too old. It's not because you're getting older. It's not because that's just the way that you are. You have ADHD. It's probably because you spend too much damn time on your phone and making that connection is just something that would save so many people's, save people so much anguish to just exactly. recognize if you just, dealt with your phone differently. It, it, yeah. And you and I are in a generation where we're probably the last generation that will oh, really yeah. know what it was like to not have phones, right? Exactly. Like I, I didn't have a phone until I was like 15 or 16. I remember mm -hmm. it was a Razor, Silver Razor. And I yeah. didn't like it. Yeah. And I got my first T-Mobile sidekick, which like flipped up. And I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. Yeah. I got a whole keyboard. But even that thing barely had anything. And it was just amazing seeing that shift. So you and I grew up on the time of dial-up internet, DVDs, Blu-ray, then you got Wi-Fi and all the stuff. So seeing all that, it's it's powerful. And now like we don't have kids, but we go into public, you see the kids, three-year-olds, four-year-olds, family of five at the table, they all have iPads and they're like this. And some of the faces of some of the kids make me sad. Like there's a little bit of anger towards the parents and there's sadness towards the kids. Cause they're like that face, they're just gone. They're, they've been watching stuff for like six hours that day. And it just makes you think, are you parenting? Or are you just like, hey, here's a device. Go sit in the corner. Mm. And on top of that is a whole nother conversation. But you have no control of what they're watching on YouTube. Even if you put the little filters on, there's a lot of weird stuff on some of these channels, like mid video, something pops up. And then they wonder why this kid is having all these fears. But yeah, that's a whole nother rabbit hole. But people don't realize they're actually training these kids to not have attention span because they become so addicted. It's like a dog. I have a pit bull. And as you know, some, some breeds, they get addicted to some toys unless you're training them or whatever. And that's all a lot of kids are. They're like, no, they're like having a fit and almost a meltdown when the parent takes the device away from them for an hour. And then the parents like, oh, well, little Jimmy, he's a, uh, he's very aggressive. It's like, no, you give him the device six hours a day. He doesn't need Ritalin. He needs mm -hmm. to go outside, like go scrape your knee up on the bike, go climb the monkey bars or something. So it's just sad to see the culture and the climate that we're in. But the good thing about social media, though, is that to see people that still have that traditional lifestyle, they're teaching your kids right, they're really aware of things, and they can critically think. That's another thing I, you notice is that, especially the past couple of years, ever since we all had to stay home, quote unquote, is you saw who could critically, critically think, and you saw who thought they were lying, but they were just a walking sheep. And so that was one of the biggest shifts ever, is when you can see 
why it's so important now for real men to stand up and lead by example because people are just getting led astray and everything is planned to like break the homes because a lot of homes are already broken but now with everything that's being pushed agendas is everybody's just confused or lost or scared and paranoid so when we can all step up control our time and attention it's just amazing the the ripple effect that we can make on people no doubt and uh that takes me to another topic which I caught off one of your posts, I believe you were talking about the enemy and how the enemy creeps in whenever you start to level up your life. So in relating to like the things that it's, it's sort of what we're talking about in that all of these things going on in our lives, sometimes people like people try, I do believe that most people want to be better. Like, I believe most people, if not all people want to be better. If you ask somebody yeah. if they wanted to improve, maybe it's not they want bigger muscles. Maybe it's not they want a six pack. Maybe it's not, you know, in their health and fitness, but there's somewhere in their life that they want to, that they want to improve. And when that starts to happen, there's going to be a moment. There's going to be a moment when something stops you. The way that the way that I generally describe it is it's your old identity slapping you in the face and going, who the hell do you think oh, yeah. you are trying to do something different? But the way that you're saying it in this real, which which is another super powerful way of saying it, and I think a lot of people can resonate with is the enemy is coming in and grabbing you and basically saying, no, nah, this is not something you're going to do. You're not going to level yourself up. You're not going to improve yourself. You're not going to get yourself better. So like how how have you started to help how have you started to help other people be able to recognize that moment because it, it happens to everybody and it happens at different levels it happened right in the beginning usually around oh, yeah. six to eight week mark it happens another you know three months after that how do you get people to start to to see that that that's what's happening it's not you it's not because you're broken it's not because you're a bad person it's not because of your age it's not because of whatever other excuse they want to lay on it this you have to become aware of this moment so that you can move forward how do you start to get somebody to recognize that yeah for sure great question so i have a term that i call perspective hopping so we get crystal clear on the version 10.0 of who we want to create who does she want to be internally and externally? Who does he want to be? Do they travel? Do they have a condo? Do they live in their hometown and they help the community? Just all the different aspects of their life, they first envision that person. And then I challenge them to use all their senses. So they first write out characteristics, all the traits. They don't have to be in any particular order. They're like, I would want this, I'd want that. I wanna be married, have two kids, et cetera, et cetera. So they really get crystal clear and they use all five senses and envision those experiences. And then we come to the present moment and say, okay, you got that? Perfect, that's amazing. So right now, what would your younger version be proud of current you for or about? And then their mind was just flowing on 10.0 and it's easier for them to reflect without self-judgment, without sadness, without anger, because they just got their endorphins of creating this future self. And they're like, man, that's exciting. And I just asked the question like 10 times, what else? What else? They're like, uh, Oh yeah, this, what else, what else? And they're like, dude, you asked me what else 10 times. I'm like, I know there's more. And they keep getting more stuff and they're excited. And then we flip back and say, what would a younger version be proud of, of the current you? And in those moments, not everyone, but some people they'll get emotional, not in a sad way, but they're like, he would say you overcame this. He would say you survived that. And they really start to dig deeper. And then we come back to the present moment and say, okay, so with where you're at right now, 
would you say that it's accurate to say that you are and I plug in whatever they feel or whatever somebody put onto them, an ex, a divorce, a parent, somebody in public, a troll on the internet, some people get affected by people online as well. And so would you say that XYZ statement is accurate? And they're usually just calm. They're like, no, not at all. Like, so, so what do you what do you say about that? And just guiding them. They're saying the answer, but just guiding them. But they're in the right headspace for it. Whether or not like, oh, what is this hogwash? What are, what are we doing right now? Are you med are you trying to hypnotize me? And all the defenses, they go down and they're calm and neutral. So they're more open. And the pride and ego slowly just dissipates for a moment. It might come back again, but in that moment, they're at least open. And they start answering their own questions. And then from there, we say, okay, let's look at the big picture. Why else do you think that happened? And then we talk about spiritual. So whatever they believe in, whoever they believe, I just say, hey, just imagine this. Every time that voice whispers in your ear to stay in bed, to grab that drink, to text the ex-wife, whatever the scenario is, I tell them, I want you to imagine an entity. You can draw them out or Google entity, devil. Just Google some stuff. Find a picture that just sticks out and you're just like, that's some wild shit. Imagine that thing latching onto your shoulder and whispering in your ear. Nothing violent, no cutting, no blood, no gore, just whispering. Saying, yeah, pick up that bottle. Text them back cause a scene at the holiday table because your uncle's here he's going to say some slick stuff like all those situations that people just feel the elephants in the room when they want to snap or they want to retreat and run or drink or whatever i just challenge them to imagine an actual entity in their head excuse me on their shoulder whispering in their ear to get into their head and then say so what would you do in that situation and they start laughing they're like man i'd slam him off me and even like women are like, wow, body slam him. They started getting some creative WWE techniques. And I'm like, and it's funny because they're they just went on this whole shift of thinking of future, present, current. And then they think of the higher spiritual, and they're like, huh, that's interesting. And then within a few days or weeks, they'll text me. The enemy was at my bed this morning, and I flipped that motherfucking to a wall, or like whatever their scenario is. And it, these are like the calmest people that would yeah. just like say the most wildest stuff of what they did but it's amazing because they get their power back and all it is is they feel good because they're recognizing it as you said beforehand rather than after the fact the next morning or after they leave that person's house and they're like why do i keep driving over there or whatever the situation is and so catching it in the moment when it's about to happen when they're about to make that conscious decision is just being conscious of the moment all right this is happening i feel the anger what am i going to do let this out at my dinner date or calm and say, Hey, these first 10 minutes, I'm not going to say anything. just need to be present, whatever they got to do in that moment. But it's amazing to see because they feel so powerful. And so just giving them that clarity, because if we start in the spiritual, it's not going to be effective. If we start with childhood, they're gonna be like, well, shit, what are you a therapist? <laughs> so I always go to the 10.0 first, because most people are pretty clear on what they want to create, but I just help guide them to get more clarity about that person opposed to just success love nice house beautiful wife and all the basic stuff it's like all right what is the real thing that you want so that has always worked really well with a lot of people especially the ones that i could tell are kind of hesitant about these kind of topics i just walked into it because i don't let them know what we're going to talk about next time i just base it off what i can tell that they need but it's just all about the the neutral standpoint so i do feel that the my upbringing also the military just helped with talking to different cultures ethnicities gender sexual preferences whatever people are different nowadays but it is what it is at the end of the day every human just wants two things we want to be heard and understood so if you and i can do that as men as coaches as leaders 
it's it's just awesome because you can tell that person's like oh wow he's actually here he's he's listening so it's it's one of the best things to to feel and to see so that's one huge thing that i do is is that it's called i just call it perspective hopping where we're going from position that's to so position good. and then we end with the final one with the dark entity that's so good perspective hopping i i i like that a lot but yeah i think <clears throat> you're right that a lot of people a lot of people know sorry a lot of people know vaguely like what they want um like we said like you said in the beginning like i want to lose weight i want to get in shape i want more money i want xyz and i think it's brilliant that you ask a bunch of times you ask them to clarify a bunch of times that goes kind of back to asking why a bunch i believe that yeah. whenever whenever you're trying to figure out what you want to do you have to know why you want to do it most people are like well i, I want to lose 50 pounds so i can fit into so i can fit into a a new dress okay that's a that's a good thing well why do you want to fit in a good into a new dress well i want to fit into that dress because it made me feel good. Well, why does it make you feel good? Well, then I feel more confident. Well, why do you want to feel more confident? Well, I want to feel more confident because then I can perform better at my job. Well, why do you want to perform better at your job? And kind of the more you dig into those things, the more you can start to, like you said, get excited about wanting to do it and build that purpose. And that's what, yeah. that's what I think a lot of people are also missing is like the purpose of what you're doing. Like not just exactly. the high level stuff that the high level stuff's fine. Like wanting a six pack, losing the weight, like all that stuff's good. Like, of course, that's great. Looking good naked. It's wonderful. But there has to be something further down the line because when that demon does jump on your shoulder and go, goes, dude, you've been sitting on this couch for like five minutes. You have, and you haven't jumped up and grabbed that bag of potato chips yet. Like what's wrong with you? You can, when you have that deeper purpose, it's more easily, you can more easily flick him off your shoulder. When you, oh, when yes. you know that, I, when I feel confident about myself, then I, this is what I do. This is who I am. This is what I can accomplish when I feel confident about myself. So how do you, how do you get people to cultivate that purpose to really dig into like being able to drive themselves forward to be able to over more easily overcome that demon? Yeah, great question. So I asked them who or what is the scenario that drives them or keeps them up at night? And then if if they're if they have a blank, I give them an example of like my family tree. And so I say, I was like, I don't know your relationship with your family. And I say, full transparency, I'm not close to mine, but my Oma, my grandma in Germany survived the Holocaust. She was hiding in the attic. And so I bring that up and wow. I say, in moments where I don't feel like doing something, I think of Oma hiding, dealing with stuff. And she went through tons of other worse things. And I say, so I'm going to complain because I'm tired. Because I got slow Wi-Fi. Because we got traffic. Because my Samsung's spazzing out. Wh whatever the situation is, it's like, what are we actually complaining about? So the perspective of people depend on me. So I challenge people to say that phrase out louder in their head. In their head, people depend on me. Even if they don't have kids. There's a kid down the road or in their apartment complex that watches them walk every day. That watches them jog. There's somebody online that looks forward to their posts. And that just shoots a message out of nowhere. It's like, hey, I've been watching your journey. I appreciate you sharing that. I would never have the balls to say X, Y, Z on Facebook, but I appreciate you doing that. Like those people that are watching that we don't think they're watching. And that person starts to really think and say, huh, because 10 minutes ago, they said, nobody looks up to me. And now they start thinking, they're like, you know what? There is somebody that at my church, at work, 
And everybody can find somebody that does. So once we get out of ourselves, out of the me, 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 why me God mode, like we're all selfish to an extent. Once we get out of the selfishness, we say, there's somebody that looks up to me. I need to show up better. And so we really start to rewire their thinking in those key moments of people depend on me. And then on the flip side is I always challenge people to learn their family tree on both sides, no matter their relationship. It's more so to say, hey, if they didn't exist, you wouldn't exist. So forget all the pain and trauma. But if Trust. they weren't here, you wouldn't be here right now. Mm -hmm. So what did your great grandpa go through? Do you know that story? He's like, oh, yeah, I went through this. And they start telling it, and then they really think and they say, wow, they had to go through a lot of stuff for me to even be here. And so it really helps. And we're not trying to undermine the current situation, but it's more so you're here for a purpose and you have a destiny. And without going too deep into that, that talk is just giving them that example is, hey, when you catch yourself being selfish, show up better for others. What can you do with the first 20 minutes of waking up that's going to make you feel refreshed or focused, getting into the gym, walking, doing whatever, and just showing up more proactively. And so those are those are two key things that have helped a lot is the family tree, learning their history, and then also on the flip side, just catching themselves where they say, am I being selfish? Or am I putting this off because I don't feel like it and it's Tuesday or it's just another case of the Mondays and everybody feels that way to an extent. But in those moments where you push through, they just get a rush and they're excited. So those slow identity shifts that happen, they just start to stack those wins, catch that momentum. And it's it's amazing to see. So in those moments when you can tell somebody's analytical, I like to send people like screenshots of their calendar or screenshots of their own messages. And I'll say, hey, you're five days doing this. Or, hey, did you notice you haven't talked about Adderall in two weeks? <laughs> like there's there's things that people don't like plan yeah. to get off of, but as you've seen it, it starts to happen. They forget because they feel so good that they're not taking the antidepressant. Deep down, legally, we can't say, hey, I'm going to get you off all your shit. But right. deep down, I'm like, I will see when I'm it's happening, it happen. when they're vibrating at a higher frequency. So it's amazing to see. But yeah, so catching themselves in those moments. How is my state? How is my state? Am I, am I allowing the government, social media, somebody else, an ex, my parents in the past to control my current state? Or did I just eat like shit for four days and that's why I feel like shit? <laughs> so we really like, is it high level or is it just like, hey, you've been bashing yourself, so it's your fault. And we just have fun with it. And then they're more open to it, opposed to like, all right, show me your trauma, show me this. Now let's get from point A to B. And they're just like, all right, you want me to completely change my life right now? It's it's not going to be sustainable. So I've just never really approached it that way in regards to the, it's my way or the highway or the old drill sergeant. We call it the knife hand. I don't right. approach people like that unless they need it. Occasionally people need that stuff, but long-term it's more so that consistency and long-term because most people, as you, as you've known, and as you've seen working with people, they've tried a lot of stuff, but 90% of it was unsustainable. They did some outlandish stuff for their wedding. It's like, hey, you look good in that picture, but how'd you feel afterward? Man, I yeah. was freaking puking. Yeah. I ran to the bathroom in the hotel. I was puking. I'm like, why? Because you're on a freaking hydroxy cut and freaking Adderall. <laughs> yeah, it's wild what people hydroxy do. But... <laughs> One I haven't heard in a while. <laughs> yeah, man. I I think if more people could understand that everybody is a leader. Yeah. It's just a matter of what who you're leading. And it's not, maybe you're not leading them intentionally. Maybe you're not leading them on purpose, but damn that someone's not watching you. And you gave a, a bunch of perfect examples. Like someone, if like, if you have kids, you are leading your children, number one. So if you have kids, you are a leader, whether you want to admit it or not. If you don't have kids, 
that's okay. When you're at work, you're leading. Whatever you're doing at work, someone's watching you. That new hire that just came in, like they're oh, watching yeah. you to see how you work, to see what you do. And they're either going to follow along or they're going to go, well, I'm, I'm not going to be like that because I want to make sure I actually do something in this company. And I think you gave a good example of like, just like when you're, when you're going about your life, like if you happen to go for a walk every day, if you happen to post something every day, just because you like it and it makes you smile and it makes somebody else smile, but you don't know oh, yeah. that that's actually happening. Like those small things, those things matter. And like you're, you're leading, you are, you are leading somebody. The question is, are you leading them in a direction that is powering them also? Or are you leading them in a direction that's also getting them lazy, fat and unhealthy? And I exactly. think people will just pay more attention to that and think about that a little differently. Number one, they get out of their own head because that's what happens is we get in our own head, we feel sorry for ourselves, and that's how we get stuck in the position that we're in. So they'd get out of their own head and then they'd potentially actually act different and realize that this is something that has to last a lifetime and not just last the moment. Oh yeah, 100%. And you had me thinking in regards to the person that wants to make that shift I noticed another common thing is people are scared to go deeper on what they want because they don't mm -hmm. trust themselves. So if they didn't trust themselves to not eat sugar, to not open up the Budweiser, to not yell at their spouse, whatever their, their outlet or their thing is, they know they have a guilty conscience and it's kind of creeping. I call it that fajita sizzle at Chili's or Friday's. That little plate comes out. It's just like, it's always just sizzling there. I'm like, what, what is sizzling in your mind? And they're like, yo, I want to drink so bad or I want another cigar or freaking text my ex-wife, like whatever somebody's feeling. And I'll say, okay, you feel that. It's good that you feel it. So how are we going to act on it? And so in the initial conversation with somebody is when you ask them, what do you want? They almost laugh when they're saying these things. If you ever, if you ever notice that, yeah, you know, I want to come become wealthy, you know, kind of become successful. And they have that tone of voice, which doesn't even sound like them. They're laughing yeah. at it. Mm -hmm. And all it is, is fear and insecurity. And then it makes sense why they never go deeper because they have a guilty conscience or they just don't trust themselves because they're like, dude, I can't be consistent with anything for more than two days or two weeks. And this guy's asking me, like, what is your why? And where do you want to be in two years? And it's like, well, shit, I'm just trying to make it a Friday. Yes. I don't know what I yes. want. <laughs> no doubt. No, that's good. But yeah. Um, all right, brother. I think we're getting close to the end. Let me ask you one more question. Um, haven't worked with. How long have you been? How long have you been coaching? I've been a personal trainer since I was 15 and a life coach for eight years now. Nice. When did you make that shift from, uh, from in-person to, I'm assuming, primarily online? So when did you make that shift to, to more encompassing, maybe is a better way to put it? I was in the Army, so I had a lot of soldiers and friends in different countries. And I honestly just got annoyed making spreadsheets because nobody would follow them. I would use like four hours of my time to make stuff and nobody would ever follow it. And I was like, it's my fault. I'm making them scan their finger in this little chart. I was like, what do you mean you don't get it? So honestly, just got frustrated because I knew it would help them. And then I just started doing research and I found some platforms that I enjoy where I could make the videos. And so just try to give them clarity. So I was about, I'd say 25, 26 when I started to go online and then it started fully going online. So I still train one or two people in person, but I knew that online would be better because I wouldn't just lose the demographic and I wouldn't just be caught up at the gym from 5 a.m. to freaking 10 p.m. So I could help more people, as you know. But yeah, the shift was definitely when I was in the army. I was satellite communications. So we could be in the middle of nowhere and connect the satellite 
give everybody internet radio and all that which is like 20% work and 80% you're waking you're waiting on issues so in that time people study they read some just sleep some work out and I was just always studying social media and trying to get my thoughts out there and that was also my outlet I realized that my therapy even as a teen I would just make videos on stuff my family's like why are you talking about that on the internet I would never mention them but I was just like express and people would just message man I needed that it's like dude you talked about that I went through that too and it was just I was being guided to speak about those things and I just stopped having fear but because I was doing that online and because I built a connection with people about real topics I knew that I was onto something I didn't know exactly what it was going to be but I knew that I could use these platforms in a powerful way to meet real people and to show that this new influencer society with like 15 links to sell you some Gymshark shorts it's like they're not going to change somebody's life in a deep way and generational curses so we're here to make a massive change not just like look good or talk about the basic fluff so yeah it was that shift in regards to helping people in a deeper way to not confuse them because when they knew that we were going to move or get stationed somewhere else or whatever the case may be I could sense the fear because they're like man I made so much progress now I gotta go find another trainer at freaking LA Fitness or wherever that's just going to give me some cookie cutter thing or like look at their clipboard and text while they're working out so that's why I wanted to over deliver and never make somebody feel I have a saying I say hey I will never be caught with the clipboard to you I'll be open honest and blunt but it's going to be to guide you and they're like what do you mean I'm like call with the clipboard every local gym has to do this just like <laughs> he's not doing shit with the clipboard yeah. <laughs> like he's, he's just having you do random stuff so making sure that nobody's ever felt that way never make somebody feel like a number so totally respect that and I totally that's that's why personal training can get a bad rap because there's a a ton of that out there and when I see oh, it yeah. I just want to go over and just slap homeboy in the face and say dude wake up like the impact that yeah. you can have on this person just wait just just stop and just wake up put the phone down just be with the person but um so you've been working with people since you were 15 years old yes what what's one lesson that you what's the biggest lesson that you've learned working with people since you were 15 years old what's the biggest lesson that you've learned that has helped you in your life from working with people is to identify that not everybody's that much different so the person that feels like they have a unicorn scenario we don't undermine their situation but just slowly give them clarity if you have the ability to make them open up you can make massive shifts so I want to say Tony Robbins or Zig Ziglar said it but I'm paraphrasing but if you can make a human feel heard and understood you can guide them in the right direction some do it and manipulate but on a positive note is if I can make them feel heard and understood and really pay attention and feedback what they told me it gives me clarity it gives them clarity and we're on the same page and we're like all right we know what to work on you came for abs but we don't need any of the stuff we talked about earlier you told me about bullying you told me about xyz this is actually what you need and they're like no wonder so I'm like you've tried every program that exists on menshealth.com and every supplement and every diet so it's not this stuff it's all in your head so let's focus on this but definitely being able to make people feel heard and understood and if somebody struggles on how to do that I suggest that they give strangers in public a genuine compliment 20 second interaction we're not hitting on people just like hey nice shirt blah 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 who's gonna win the game or hey why did you choose that pasta over that oh my grandma used to make this and having real human interactions is what everyone needs more of because on the receiving end 
we've all had a day we felt like crap we were angry sad depressed some old lady some little kid some random guy was like hey cracked a joke said something you get back to the car and you're like i didn't realize i needed that how do they even approach me i'm pissed off today and so because somebody brought us out of our zone we can do that to others so i just try to give people more of that super strong brother definitely heard and understood today uh where can people find you People can find me on social media at fitwithderek2 or fitwithderek.com. On my website, I say real people, real results. No Facetune, Photoshop, or other BS. They look the same in videos. And my goal with social media is just to plant seeds, make people think. So get into their head in a positive way where they're like, huh, I think he's talking to me. I always try to, I envision an avatar or one person. I try to speak to them. <laughs> well, you definitely planted a lot of seeds today, brother. Greatly appreciate your wisdom. What a great conversation. Thanks so much, Derek. I appreciate you having me, Jerry. Thank you. Amen. Take care.